the film series that won't die to nearly 30 movies, one house, actually several houses, and cursed artifacts. The Amityville Horror Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Amityville Podcast. I'm Pat. I'm Tom. And, and this week we have Amityville Harvest, which does not seem to have anything to do with Amityville, nor has anything to do with the harvest. Discuss. Yeah, in um, the preamble, we usually do things based on the movie, but I had suggested farm movies, and it's not set on a farm, it's set in a manor. It's set in a manor. And, and I mean, there's a million and one ha- like mansion, haunted housey type of movies. Yeah, there's the haunting, the haunting of Hill House, yeah. the... House on Haunted Hill. Thirteen Ghosts. Yeah. It's, it's got, like, haunted house people. Chitulu, Ma- Chitulu Cat Manor, isn't it? No, it's Mansion. Chitulu Mansion. I haven't seen that one. That was, like, a really goofy ass also ran in, like, the early, early 90s. Or it's the late, late 80s. Yeah. It was kind of a mess. It, it kind of reminded me of The Gate, but for grown-ups. Uh, it's like, there's a shower scene. That should work. That should work. But, no. Like, it, like it's robbers... Are on the run from a robbery gone wrong. It's like Reservoir. What if Reservoir Dogs, instead of them going to the uh, the funeral home warehouse, they go to mm-hmm. a mansion run by Alistair Crawley? Okay. Yeah. All right. But not good. Yeah. I know. Um, I don't know why that reminded me tangentially of Murder Party, but like going to the wrong place for the wrong party. He was invited, though. He did go to he the was, party. I know. He was invited, yeah. but he shouldn't have gone to that party. Kind have. of like a House on Haunted Hill thing. But. Murder Party turned out to be a lot better than I expected. That's fantastic. Be. Yeah, but it's like I blind bought it to fill out like a four for 20 okay. at Blockbuster. And I was like, yeah, okay. I heard something. It, and I read something in Fangoria about it. And then I, when I finally got around to watching it, I was like, oh, this movie is delightful. Yeah. What surprised me about it was, like, another trapped-in-a-place bad idea. Um, same director did Green Room. Is that the same director? That's the same guy that did Green Room. And Green Room is intense as all get-out. Yeah, it is. And Murder Party is hysterical. Yeah, it's really Like, funny. it is, I mean, I get kind of loosely, you could parallel the premises of person trapped, people want to kill him. Yeah. Um, but... And yet so completely <laughs> differently, tonally. Yeah, and both yeah. weren't invited. But, like, just... It's like he wanted to make the same movie in yeah. two different genres, almost. Yeah, it's kind of funny. And they both That's work. Crazy. They do. They yeah. were, like, Green Room is really brutal. Mm-hmm. I, I still haven't seen Blue Ruin, and everybody keeps telling me I need to see that one as well. And he has one that he did for Netflix, I think, last yeah. year or the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I need to catch up. Yeah, I do, too. But anyway, yeah. so but yeah, yeah, there's manor moves. Like, why? Why is it called? I, I I'm kind of curious now. Why it's harvest when it takes place in a manor? Like, Maybe it's overgrown. Yeah, like even like even if you have like the nice house, like the plant, the pl- it's even like it, it was. They were called plantation houses. Like you, yeah. you never hear about this is the mansion on the farm or the man the farm manor. True. You know, it just it seems weird. Yeah. Well, I, also, I, I know it wasn't exclusively a southern thing, but it always feels more like a southern thing than a New England thing. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, and this is also our fifth found footage movie. The tri- uh, yeah, the triple F. The triple F. If uh, for those of you keeping track, 
We had Amityville Haunting, which was one of the first low-budget, let's-just-make-an-Amityville movies. Yeah. With the annoying kid. Uh, oh, God. And the military dad that yeah. went completely bananas by the end. Then we had Amityville No Escape. That was the people doing the Blair Witch Project one that kept intercutting right. with the, the flashbacks to what was going on in the house that they only like kind of looked at but never go into, except at the end. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. Ringing uh, a bell. Then we have Amityville Prison, a.k.a. Uh, Against the Night. I remember liking that more than not, though. That was like, even though it was... There were chunks that were good. There were yeah. chunks that we liked, but... Oh, but it kept there... lying about what it was going to be. Exactly. You kept like, playing with it wrong. Yeah. Oh, it's found footage, except when it's not found footage, and it's when he the guy's dead, but he's not dead, and it's so completely obvious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it had Frank Whaley. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the and, and the alien twist. And the alien twist at the end. Spoilers for an episode you shouldn't. You should not be listening to these out of order. Um, <laughs> there's a continuity. There's a continuity. This is not Vietnam. There are rules. There are rules. God damn it. And then, of course, our most recent one was Amityville, Mount Misery Road. The less said, the better. And we keep forgetting that. We keep forgetting more. that. But so there's that. So we get to see how that. Go, how this one stacks up against those which fun fact it will be at least better than Mount Misery Road um, but also this director uh, Thomas you just Churchill cursed us. I did just I totally just jinxed it I'm knocking wood uh, Thomas Churchill the director has already directed Amityville Moon and Amityville Uprising which we will have to procure in the next couple of weeks that is impressive like, like this already. came out in 2020 this one the Amityville Harvest came out in 2020 it is February 2022 that we're recording this mm-hmm. he's already got two more Amityville movies in the books that's insane. Also insane. Uh, the director of the one we did last time, the witches. Yeah, I I dug around and found out she has directed at least a dozen movies. Okay, her really? first movie came out in twenty nineteen. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That that tracks. Yeah. So I mean, it's these it's, are go getters. I'm sure that witches is better than the ones that the first one she made in twenty nineteen. Entirely possible. Um, it looked like she and um, her production partner um, had been working on other stuff with other people for a while, but that was when she jumped into directing. Mm-hmm. And so she's directed 12 since then, but also been a part of, it looked like, at least like, you know, six or seven other productions at the same time. Sure. Great. Because, yeah. It was, man, not even like thinking about like going back and thinking about it it's like i'm not liking it more like i'm not liking it less but yeah like, which is really was i don't know why we've watched boring or no we other than like a few a handful we've watched we like they haven't been that aggressively boring amityville asylum i think is the most boring yeah um, in terms of like promise of the premise versus the actual movie like amity what if there was a lunatic asylum in amityville and you know so mm-hmm. there's like cross-pollination that yeah. sounds awesome music too loud to subtitles <laughs> and then uh the mount misery the, this witches one it's like yeah let's there's like a an academy of witches and all sorts of shenanigans and it's like nope it's just and then the witches was just uh you know middle-aged magic users club yeah yeah 
in a bad way because that could be fun too. It was you kind know, of the instead of the craft, it was the crafting circle. Yeah, but again, that, that's like look, filmmakers that are listening to this, and if you're not listening to this podcast for practical advice on how to make a low budget movie, I don't know what you're wasting your time with. But you can make any premise interesting, like any any mm-hmm. premise can be interesting. No, no idea is innately boring right. until you make a movie that's boring. Mm-hmm. And no int- no idea is too crazy to try and make into a movie. No! Because, I mean, it's not just that, like, you get weird movies, like we've mentioned, Freaked Enough Times or, you know, <laughs> Cabin Boy, you know. Yeah. But, like, even within the, like, big-budget Marvel movies, there is no reason Guardians of the Galaxy should have gotten the budget it did. Let's no. give the guy... Who made Tromeo and Juliet? Sort of. Yeah, but like, let's give the guy one of the he one of the minds behind super. that. Right. <laughs> like he does not make. He was not making mass market. Except, I mean, he yeah. worked on. You know, he did the scripts for Dawn of the Day and the Scooby Doo. Yeah. But it's like, let's give him, you know, a hundred and some million dollars to make a movie about a Marvel book. That never sold more than twelve issues in a row before being canceled. It was very difficult for them. Yeah, this this was basically the that longest said the of run shots. that was happening at the time. I'm gonna go full nerd on you. The run that was happening at the time by Andy Landing and Dan Dan Abnett and Andy Landing, which was the most direct ref, uh, thing that this movie was based on, was pretty goddamn good. <laughs> but Abnett Landing generally have good runs on stuff. Resurrection yeah. Man. Did you ever read that? No. Oh, that was kind of a fun idea. Again. It's Great idea. Bad ideas. Yeah. Uh, basically, a superhero who every time he dies, his power changes. He just yeah. he gets resurrected, but now he's got heat vision. I can't use that. Has to kill himself. Okay, now I'm invulnerable. Crap, that's going to be a problem later. Like, really fun book. Anyway, yeah, yeah but, but Guardians had always been... Oh, it was nuts. Yeah. It was insane that that got kind of money, but it paid off because you take a big gamble. Ghostbusters, as a concept for a movie, is ridiculous. Re- Ridiculously um, unprecedented. Let's have a ju- a big budget sci-fi horror comedy yeah. tentpole picture. You didn't get that kind of money going into comedies, no. less yet that kind of effects and production. Mm. So yeah, it, I'm and just saying like I agree. swing swing hard. Yeah, and I think that's again like we've mentioned a few times. One of the big problems with some of these is they'll have the idea and they just don't swing with it. No, they think that, and that's not a function of how much money you have. No, you need just need to go crazy with it because you can have no money and make a batshit beautiful movie. Yeah, but it, we're not going to spend more time thinking about it right now because we have to watch Amityville Harvest now. And then we'll find out if there were any harvesting or Amityville. I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll go. There's neither. I'm going to go. There's neither Amityville nor nor harvest. All right. I am going to say no Amityville. Agreed. Yeah. But I'm going to say the harvesting will be shoehorned in as some sort of a like the harvest will be people as a flock to a cult. Kind of thing. All right, all right, all right. The like, bet, the bet's been made. Yeah, it's movie time. See you in a bit. Well, we were right. We were wrong about mentions of Amityville because they keep referencing the name of the town over and over again. They do. Though, they have signs up. Yeah, they have no references to you know the Amityville horror. 
But uh, no, the harvest is never explained because it's actually vampires. Yep, and yep. not found footage. And also not found footage. I think it was, I read the synopsis, and the synopsis is about a documentary crew. And so I just assumed they would be doing a found footage nonsensey mm-hmm. thing. But no, it's an actual documentary crew about the Civil War. And so they interview a guy in upstate New York. Yeah, uh, this guy, Vincent Miller's great-grandfather, mm-hmm. apparently had some big secret, and he wants to reveal it to the world, so he has this uh, documentary crew come in. It was arranged somehow by... So the movie opens. <laughs> um, this, is, this movie was a lot of fun, but it is completely nonsensical. It is so very hard to follow the, the track of this movie. Well, let's spend a, yeah. about a half hour trying to pad that out. I mean, obviously. I'm, I'm just saying, this is <laughs> like, I'm trying to explain why Patrick started a sentence and then you could actually see his face completely give up on it. When you want, when you find yourself in the chip aisle but you know you were going to look for kitty litter. Oh. Like, you know, you just want to wander over here, but shit, there was something I needed. Needed something. Wait, hold on. Yeah, that's yeah. this movie all over. So, uh, the movie opens with Lana Hill Hill um, at a funeral for, I'm guessing, her husband. It looked like her husband. Um, she's t- talking to his corpse and saying all of our friends came out for this. Like... I mean, that's great if it's, you know, an anniversary party or something like that. It's a funeral. Like, you don't want to really be just saying, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of folks made it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that, you know, a couple guys had to work and, you know. You, you had know. surprisingly good turnout for the one party you can't go to. Exactly. Um, but anyway. It was, somehow it was like, it was actually the lesser of the worst impromptu talking to a casket scenes I've seen in movies because if you watch Fast Furious 7 at Han's funeral Dom Toretto Dominic Toretto goes up to walks up to the casket and starts having like a full on conversation not whisper just like full on Vin Diesel Vin Dieseling all over the place and in the background you can see very clearly that the priest is still delivering the eulogy I know, I, I, oh, wow. I, don't know, I never noticed that. It's one of those you have to really be watching, but that is like, wow, he's just talking over the other guy. Because the other guy is gesticulating and everything as if he's still delivering a eulogy for Han Solo. Oh, God. Because that's his name. Oh, Seoul, like uh, Seoul, South Korea, dash O. And his character, Han Solo, predates the Fast and the Furious movies. Or he started in a movie. It does. I could. It's a rabbit hole, and I love it. Fuck you, Fast and the Furious. Make, make thirty more of them. Anyway, so yeah, Lana's at the funeral for her husband, talking about how much uh, everybody loved him. Mm-hmm. Um, said she wanted to have the funeral at O'Shea's, which I'm assuming is a local pub. Yeah. But they're not usually big on laying corpses out in the middle of the bar. Or, they're you know. great for the wake part. Absolutely. But the actual, you know, funeral service, they kind of drop the ball. Yeah. Um, so she's trying to, you know, get herself together. A mysterious hand 
winds up on her shoulder. She freaks out. Mm-hmm. She's just starting to get fidgety. She winds up uh, dropping her phone into an old, 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 old toilet. It's like, it's perfect. It's got a ch- the box with the chain that you can pull, and we can get the gun glued up there perfectly so you can take out the Turk. Dave Vigoda walked through. You, it was amazing. You should have seen it. You just left, though. These, this entire film series needs more Dave Vigoda. <laughs> that is he one was thing a Good Burger course, has so. up on any given Amityville. Is Dave Vigoda in Good Burger? Dave Vigoda is absolutely in Good Burger. I've never seen Good Burger. Oh. You get just, to hear Just a- on the other side of my Nickelodeon years. Fair enough. You get to hear Dave Vigoda say, I think I broke my ass. Yes! Anyway, back to the movie we watched. So she drops in front of the toilet. She meets a scary old lady who we later find out is Mrs. O'Brien, I think. Yes, and she is played by the the actress playing this uh, old lady is actually the kabuki face of the demon Pazuzu in the Exorcist film. Like every time you see those subliminal faces, mm-hmm. this is that actress. Nice. Yeah. Um, anyway, she's an older lady. She's mm-hmm. moving around the funeral home on her walker, but not seeming to see or hear Lana, who can't get out any of the doors. They all are locked, even though she's not necessarily using the knob yeah. so much as the bolt. Yeah, the bolt. Uh, knob. Where you put the, the key. Yeah. Um, anyway, she gets locked in. And don't worry, if this feels like we're taking a lot of time for this scene, the movie took ten minutes off. Yeah. <laughs> I just, like, I'm, I'm looking at my notes, and I know that they made sense when I made We them. thought at the time that she was already dead, and so the reason, the reason why she couldn't leave and the reason why nobody was reacting was because she was already a ghost, and it will later turn out that she's alive, just stuck in a basement. But, I'm sorry, spoilers for this movie. That is on the YouTube for rentals mm-hmm. and or buying. I opted to not buy this movie. Yeah. But we, don't, we, we don't know the resale value until we get to it. Yeah. And then it just inexplicably cuts to the titles. Right. And uh, then all of these people that we don't know and will not really understand who they are by the end of the film either. They all show up at the house. They introduce themselves. <laughs> There's like a whole bunch of intro sequences with the Nancy, Christina, and Nancy, the sisters who sister filmmakers who really come off more like girlfriend and girlfriend, or occasionally mother and daughter. Occasionally mother and daughter. They have a relationship, and it feels like at some point. They decided to, well, we have to actually define the relationship, and you're not comfortable saying mother-daughter, because mm-hmm. uh, the teenager looked a little bit older, the yeah. mother would have looked a little bit younger. There was enough yeah. lack of age gap that you could see wanting to tweak it, uh-huh. but the way they sleep and cuddle with each other, it's, dude. I don't know. Like, you see, there's a whole sequence where everybody everybody goes to, the documentary crew goes and stays in the funeral home. Or the the manor, excuse me, the ma- the, the 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 manor, the mansion next to the next funeral door. Home. Oh, and the funeral home is uh, rice pastels. Well, no, the funeral home is white. Oh yeah, the funeral right, right. home is all white. The house next door is very pra- bright pastels. Best mm-hmm. I can I can think to describe it is go on Google and look up pictures of the set for the Adams Family TV series in color. Mm. 
because it was shot for black and white, but to make things pop in black and white, a lot of times you paint in very bright colors that just yeah. go a different shade and tone. The way that that looked in color is the way this house looks. Yes. But so in this scene, like in this little sequence where you see where everybody's sleeping, it's like king size bed, king size bed, king size bed. Then you get to Christina and Nancy. They're in a twin bed and they are spooning so far up each other. It's really something. And they're sisters. You know what? Amityville trope. Ah, the, the incesty Amityville trope. Yeah. yeah. Or at least very, the, very few. Uncomfortably uh, familial. Uncomfortably familiar. A little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, no flies in this movie, which is not a sign that the movie is, you know, uh, progressing well. It's like, it's not like there's no fly. I'm sorry. I was making a no flies on you joke and it didn't work at all. Also, Rob Zombie is driving the limo for the hearse, for, for the funeral procession. Yeah. It was weird. Or at least like Michael Shannon playing Rob Zombie in the Richard Keel story. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. 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 That tracks. But so, yeah, we, we get introduced to Christina and Nancy, and then also we get introduced to Seth, a.k.a. Cosmo, who has a nondescript, phony baloney New York accent, mm-hmm. and is on the crew for the documentary, but also faking it. Yeah, somehow. I think he and Lex put together, or like got the documentary crew in contact with Mr. Miller or Ms. O'Brien to get to Mr. Miller for this interview as the pretense to investigate looking for Lana, who they somehow know and want to track down and get evidence of, but as also reporters potentially, because they're trying to gather evidence for the story, not so much for their own person. It's It's, motivations are... It's very difficult to keep track. Yeah. So they arrive, and then they introduce their names and their character traits in the doorway before entering. It was like the Mouseketeers. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Like, or romper room for, you know, yeah. local folks. Um, yeah, they and it was like there was a clown car parked right outside yes. of frame. Just one by one, a character will show up. Oh, and this is Steve. Uh, Steve, who looked like Bam Margera um, mm. on a better day. Yeah, but he wants to be called Scratch. <laughs> he wants to be called Scratch. He's the sound guy. He's the sound guy. Because um, Scratch discs, I guess. Yeah, it's funny if you think about it. Um, but, like, <laughs> at, at first, it's, you're thinking they're just loading in the equipment, and that's why they're taking so long. No. But by the time you get to the end, where Otis, um, their black crew member, yeah. uh, shows up, they don't even know him. He just happened to be waiting in the line of character introductions. And the first thing out of his mouth is, where's the shitter? He had a lot of White Castle on the way there. Regionally accurate. Yeah. And a coffee. And a coffee. Never have six White Castles, like, five feet away from the castle. Or something like that, he says. Something like that. But, yeah, White Castle and coffee. Oof. I immediately understood one of the characters in this movie. Yeah. And this was a few minutes after I had written down in my notes, no idea who anyone is or what is happening. Because after after we get the Nancy Christina and then Seth introduction, where Seth is uh, at a bar with a bartender that we never see again. Um, oh, yeah. And then it cuts to these two punk people that are in the basement of the funeral parlor home. Yeah. 
the they knew some of the other characters because or no, they mentioned I think they were Joe and Risa. Gold. Or they mentioned two other characters that I don't think we ever meet. No. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I have no idea who they were in relation to anyone. Don't but, get me wrong, I don't know who half of the people are in relation to each other, but yeah. they talk at least. Like, yeah. And these just, people are there. They're not even looking for anything. They just, like, start trying to bone. Yeah, they just show up in the attic of the house. It wasn't Thanks the attic, the it's the basement. No, they were in the attic because it didn't have the red frills. No, you didn't see the red frills because it was because of the angle. But all the other stuff was in there. Like, you could see the bar. All right. We got a sidebar to this because right. <clears throat> the attic slash basement slash all storage areas in this funeral home. This, and this is in the funeral home. This is not in the, the house funeral, next door. Not the house next door. Uh, this is very important details that, yeah. Um, is, it looks like essentially storage for, like, uh, an events hall attached yeah. to, like, a fire department or a JCs or whatever. Uh-huh. It's just, you know, stacks of tables, like, old lamps. A popcorn maker. A wall that's covered in um, like red sh- tinsel. Yeah, like the shiny doorway paper thing. Yeah. Like, it's set up like they're... Um, it's set up sort of like a storage room is being prepped for a CYC event. Yes. It's just, it's the local rec center. Yeah. That's and, the and, basement. And they, it's the basement. And they, they don't show that one wall in the earlier scene. But okay. there's no way they ha- they went, they have a different location. So I'm pretty sure it's the same one. It may have been. Yeah. But anyway. I thought I'd seen the word attic, so. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. But I also thought I saw a lot of things. <laughs> I'm I'm stoked sober. Uh, this movie is very difficult to follow. But yeah, so yeah. we have these two other people that get murdered kinda on screen. Oh yeah, we get first the guy gets a mallet to the face and then the other person mm-hmm. Oh, this is where we first see it's a vampire because the she gets bit by the vampire teeth. Right, <laughs> right, right. Point, right. Just like, <laughs> she, what? Gets, she gets bit by a vampire after a guy dressed like a sur- uh, crazy surgeon doctor kind of yeah. like, you know, horror trope surgeon. Like Jeffrey Combs the, in a House on Haunted Hill sort of thing. Yes, yes. But like Dead much of, yeah. more Igor, like hunched over and being a weirdo. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, mallet, the mallet squishes his head. And then all of a sudden, in big letters, I write, Vampires! Because vampires, this movie, yeah. and none of the none of the material we saw did the word vampire show up. No, no, it's kind of a big thing. It's it's a major part of it. Yeah. Which you know what, we were surprised. I like it. It was a nice surprise. And then we get introduced to the owner of the funeral home, the grandson, the great great grandson of our uh, my Civil War featured character, Vincent Miller. Played by Days of Our Lives actor Kyle Lauder, who is the MVP of this movie. Mm-hmm. He was really something to watch. It's you had mentioned. Um, it's like John Hamm was playing a sketch. Yeah, and in a good way. In, in a, a very, very good, good way. way. Yeah, like 
He's committed. He he doesn't break. He keeps consistent the whole way through. And there is just a weird, playful smugness. He knows he's a vampire. He knows he's going to murder all of them. He's walking around in the silliest pancake makeup to make him look, you know, kind of pale and more gray-haired. And he's just constantly fucking with everybody. Mm -hmm. It's so good. Imagine Jerry Dandridge if he thought that Peter Vincent and Charlie Brewster were not even remotely a threat. Yes. Yes. That's it. That is the vibe. Yeah. Fucking Jerry Dandridge. One of the all-time greats. Man, just uh, Chris Sarandon never gets mm-hmm. enough credit for Fright Night. I mean, nobody in Fright Night gets enough credit for Fright Night. Agreed. Period. But, yeah. man, Chris Sarandon. But, anyway. So, he... <laughs> Vincent Miller, the vampire, has these Etch-A-Sketch squiggles that keep coming out of him. That yeah. Are some, biz- some really low-rent eldritch power that this vampire has. Yeah, it looks like um, like somebody tried to illustrate uh, Tumbleweave in Adobe Illustrator. Yeah. Um, and then convert it to motion or whatever. But, like, yeah, it's just kind of vector graph uh, line blotches that it's never more than two dimensional at any point no Um, they'll like sneak air quote along the walls or through the air or whatever and they are his eyes and ears or they make people feel weird or they they do things I don't understand they don't really do. Things. They don't really do. Things. They they like they they kind of want you to infer that they're doing things. They kind of act like in old spy versus spy cartoons where one's looking at the other and you see the dotted lines. Yeah, yeah. Like okay, so that's just what has his attention is wherever the squiggles are going. Or like, like there, a, there like, are times when like he's not in a room. But then the squiggles turn out to be in a room, and then they go back to him, and then all of a sudden he under he knows what happened in the other room. Mm-hmm. It's his hugging and mugging. It, it, it's his vampire crow, ravens. Gotcha. I was thinking more along the lines of like a Dora the Explorer or a Blues Clues, where it's like his squiggles are what bring you to the attention of this plot point you need to know in this scene. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That works too. Yeah. Yeah. But so. So he's got these spooky lines. And he's drinking. Like, nobody notices that he has this coffee mug full of blood the entire time. Like, he's just very obviously drinking from this 24-ounce coffee mug full of blood. Not a chalice, mind you. Not a chalice. Yeah. Not a chalice. Or even, you know, a bowl. A bowl. Well, it's very hard to get blood into bowls, as we've, as we've learned recently. Indeed. But, uh, uh, yeah, he just like, he just starts slurping out of this mug. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I love this movie. Um, yeah, they, I know they, they're, they're, they, like, they have the dinner. Yeah. And then they go to, they, they do that bed sequence that we talked yeah. about already. And during dinner, uh, Otis um, gets more very. Uh, he gets killed. Well, yeah, but like he he's, he's complaining about um, how they couldn't make catfish for dinner, yeah. white people and their spices. I'm going to go out and have a smoke. I can't believe I can't smoke inside. He goes outside with uh, with Steve's No, Seth. Seth's lighter. Cosmo. Everybody Cosmo. calls me Cosmo. Cosmo. Everybody calls me Cosmo. That's what he sounds like. He's trying to pick his own nickname, and that doesn't fly. No. I'm calling him Seth. I'm calling him Sting. <laughs> um, 
He yeah, but so Otis goes outside with the borrowed lighter and starts seeing people walk back and forth, and it's fairly obvious that it is uh, Civil War soldiers, Confederate ghosts. Or vampires. I guess they were vampires. I think they were ghosts or zombies. Yeah, right. Like, because Vincent seems to have, like, magic that's... At minimum, he can make people see what he wants them to see. Yeah. And at maximum, he's making, you know, Confederate ghosts. But, like... Also, wasn't... Like, Otis is the only black character, but didn't he feel like... No, he's not. Oh, he's not. You're right, you're right. He's not. He's not. But doesn't he feel like a caricature... For very much died, so. That's like, why, like, that's why I wanted to mention that one of the first things he says at dinner is complaining that nobody around here knows how to make catfish. Yeah, it's just like it's ridiculous. Like, you're you're here's a here's a terrible thing we have to admit. The most likable character in this movie is the Confederate vampire that just eats people. Yeah, followed potentially by the the caricature. No, we don't like Otis. Otis is terrible. No. I don't like it. I, I yeah. thought he was really annoying. And it bothered me that he was this caricature. Was oh, like, it definitely it bothered is. me that he was a caricature, but he was, he seemed to actually, like... He had a character. Yeah. He was, try, he was trying to play it against what he had been handed. That's fair. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. But it uh, doesn't matter because he sees these ghost vampire things. They have zombie faces. And they come at him, and then that's why I don't think they're vampires, is because they bayonet him with their Civil War rifles. That's true, that's true. This, uh, one of the pleasant upshots of this movie was that it's inability or stubborn refusal to commit to any one thing really made it a lot of fun in terms of you don't know what's going to happen next, Uh and everything is going to be stupid. It will. It's just no, everything's kind of dumb. It doesn't exactly like contradict anything that happened earlier in the movie, but it's not helping tie up anything from earlier yeah, in the like, movie. We're, we just keep adding to adding to the movie without actually, you know, uh, having it congeal together. It's like you keep throwing throw, you keep throwing everything into a stew, but then none of the <laughs> things mix together to create the mm-hmm. stew. Everything is just these discrete items in a pot at the end of it. Yeah. Or like like a um, like going to a haunted house attraction where room to room you're going to get your gags, and as long as the rooms have gags, you're good, you keep moving. Even if this room doesn't match the room you were just in, or... Mm-hmm. Like, you're not getting a complete story out of going through a haunted house attraction. No, no. But you're getting... You could, though. You could. They could have done that, but they didn't. Yeah. And they didn't in this one. So Otis is bleeding out on the front lawn, uh, within eye shot, arguably, of Seth. Yeah. Um, who's yelling for him. And gumming a cigar. Yeah. It was weird. Um, but yeah, Seth, like much like Lana earlier in the funeral home, uh, Otis is calling for help, and somebody that is clearly within eye shot or eye line cannot see them or, or is not reacting. Also, uh, I made note of this. Uh, Otis hears Miller say... Otis go back to South Carolina right before he gets killed, and Otis mm-hmm. doesn't immediately get up and get into his car, yeah. but that means the vampire was actually warning him to leave, which I wonder if that means he doesn't have control over the ghosts. Hmm. Possibly. But why are there Confederate ghosts there if they're not from him? 
I don't it, know. It, it's it's upstate New York. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. That yeah. Okay. Yeah, this uh, movie, again, this movie makes no sense. But it's fun to watch. Yeah. Anyway, they uh, <laughs> they all realize um, they all start to get a weird feeling about the place. Uh, they inexplicably sleep until you know, like five p.m. two hours before Miller said that he would grant them their interview. Mm-hmm. Which the interview is kind of weird. There's a lot of like I don't think the script it's in the script, but I think this uh, Kyle Louder, the guy playing Vincent, was good enough to just. <laughs> deliver the dialogue of uh, him talking about his great-great-grandfather with a lot more panache. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, yes, my uh, grandfather. And mm-hmm. it's just like, yes, play with it. Have fun with it. Mm-hmm. And this is before he just starts out and out fucking with people. Yeah. Like, he apparently, he is psychically talking to half of everybody the entire time. Yeah. Uh, they all, when they have their long oversleep, uh, they all have weird dreams. Right, right. Um, the girls are almost uniformly attacked in their dreams. Yes. And the guys kind of get their, uh... Almost get their thing. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they have sexy time dreams. Yeah, they um, As is their righteous men. Sure. <laughs> This is the sound of Patrick reading his notes because (laughs) there was so much happening in this movie and it's impossible to keep track of. Oh, uh, also while they were asleep... uh, Vincent had to have been drinking from all of them. I think so, yeah. Right? Like, that explains why they were sleeping so late and why they were kind of weird. And why they... Yeah, he was able to talk to them. Yeah. Keep them enthralled. He's already getting them. Kind of giving them a little vampire juice. Yeah. But while they were sleeping, he snuck off. uh, Ms. O'Brien was making a run for it, except not. And he finds her and basically offers her... No more pain, and bites her, drinks her, buries her in the basement. You know, most of her. Yeah. She remember the hand was sticking out. Yeah. I mean, he <laughs> runs fine. a funeral home. You can't be precise. On, I like, told all of them graves. not to go into the basement, so clearly they will abide by my wishes. <laughs> Don't push that giant candy-like button. <laughs> We have the interview. Which is very stilted and definitely not written from a Wikipedia article. They list all of the Confederate states at one point. All ten. And as Vincent is listing all ten states that sided with the Confederacy, the interviewer, who is ostensibly doing a project on a subject they might be loosely familiar with... You would think. ...seems unfamiliar with a lot of the information he's giving that is basic, very basic information on the Civil War, including, so your great-grandfather was involved with the Confederacy. Uh, Around when was this? Hmm. Uh, Ballpark 1865. Yeah. This is a great use of your uh, subject's time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, as it turns out, uh, Vincent's great-great-grandfather was the mastermind behind the kidnapping and assassination plot, and the main reason he is doing this interview is so that he can finally reveal that he was the mastermind! Mm-hmm. Not this John Wilkes Booth bastard! He was, yeah, he was his great-grandfather and his own grandpa and many, many years ago when he was just a lad and such and such. But not in the riddle form. It literally is just he's yeah, immortal he's just, and just keeps taking on the yeah. next generation's name. Yeah, not like frying his own grandfather. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Oh, God, that was so weird. Um, also, uh, after we're, you know, given deep knowledge like the 10 states that were part of the Confederacy, we find out that there was a series of tunnels, you see. Yes. And these tunnels ran from the uh, ran from Washington, D.C. To North Carolina. To North Carolina. And the interviewer asked, oh, so Washington had them put in. No, Washington was the president when the Capitol was in Philadelphia, Washington, D.C. didn't exist until after Washington died because it was named after him. Which, again, if you are a reporter doing... Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay, sorry. Uh, Brain freeze. I think I just drank a Slurpee. As in Helsinki, Norway. Finland. (laughs) (laughs) So, So, here we are in Amityville... At this funeral home passed down through the generations that somehow involves this tunnel from D.C. to South Carolina, I believe. Yep. Yeah, yep. to Dixie. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, not passing through Long Island at all. Uh-huh. Uh, for those of our international listeners who might not be familiar with U.S. geography. As are most of us Americans. Fair. New York is north of D.C. South Carolina is south of D.C. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it don't, nope. worry, it don't work. Nope. It don't, don't, worry work. It. don't worry about it. Um, don't worry about it. Vampires. Vampires. This was filmed in California, so I can understand maybe not understanding <laughs> the full, you know. What? Yeah. I didn't see a cartographer listed in the credits. That's true. That's very, that's very. Although they had a oh god, I hate no, I'm not even okay. Fine, uh, they had a carto- they had a whole cartography thing in my Mount Misery Road. I would rather know cartographer. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Well, yeah, I'm gonna happen. I'm gonna say yeah. whatever. Tunnels, fine. Yeah, I love you. Fine. I love it's you. Fine. This is how we're gonna sneak out the U.S. Constitution. That was a passable Nick Cage. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Um, if you don't laugh, I don't know that you. I can't. <laughs> How am I supposed to tell that you love me if you don't laugh at every single thing I do? Because I continue to talk even while trying to make sense of these notes. This is I, is I got to tell you. Most of the time, I don't even notice Patrick looking at his notes. He has got them five inches from his face. He is desperately trying to keep track of what happened in the movie. Does so it, at this point. Uh, Cosmo has snuck down to the basement uh, while the interview was going on and uh, Vincent put the whammy on him for a second made it look like like Lexi was coming on to him and then killing him and no then then he goes and yeah there's that and then he goes into another room which is clearly a high school 
yeah. and sees the uh, corpsified version of Miss, o- Miss O'Brien going up the stairs, and that's up when the he stairs in one of those. Oh uh, yeah, 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 in one of those uh, rotorized chairs that yeah, helps you up the stairs, like Mrs. Deagle had in Gremlins. Indeed. At which point he pisses his pants, for which no one mentions through the entire rest of the film. He does not change his pants, but nobody seems to mention that he smells like urine. But then he uh, goes back up and he's trying to talk to, to convince Lexi, who has a completely different ridiculous New York accent, that uh, Lana Hill has to be here somewhere. Yeah. And then the interview is done. And uh, Scratch for... I swear, they keep coming back to this like 12 times where they're, he's screaming about uh, how Vincent's voice will not record. Mm-hmm. Like, everything else is yeah. recording fine. He's saying this multiple times to people who should have remembered that he said it yeah. several times earlier, but doesn't. Um, vampires... Is a smoke break. There is a, a smoke break. break. There's, there's a smoke a, break. There's a mo- smoke and lunch break. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's complaining about there not being any sound. Well, you see if you should fix it, but it is an established problem. Yeah. Uh, then the women go out on the front porch and talk about how whales are pretty chill. Yeah. We should go uh, up to Maine after this. Mm-hmm. Um, and bordering right on passing the Bechdel test, one of them does mention that, oh, no, I met some whales when I was out with my ex-boyfriend. And no! then goes into it. Ah, oh, you were right there! I think, I'm pretty sure the movie passes the Bechdel test. Yeah, it might. I don't know. But I just I remember, between, like, like, Nancy and Christina talking about the movie, uh, making the documentary as a whole, I think. There's okay, gotcha. There. Yeah. Like, they mentioned that they were going to interview this man. <laughs> But it's for this project and stuff. And yeah. so I think at that point, it's got to be that. Yeah. It's just uh, whenever there's a scene that's like, oh, why did you have to do, like, you literally didn't have to mention that and you would have been fine. Or, or, or when uh, they, they do the introductions with Mrs. O'Brien, yeah. Christina and Mrs. O'Brien are talking about themselves. Yeah. So, Bechdel okay. test approved. This movie is worth being entered into the Library of Congress. <laughs> He's still just reading his notes. Because he does, he, Patrick, honest to God, does not remember what happened next. This is fantastic. I took like a page and a quarter of notes. <laughs> we know that vampires don't show up on sound. Apparently, they may or may not show up in reflections. It's sporadic and appears to be. See, I think he, I think he appears in mirrors all the time. But because he's controlling what everybody else sees, I think he's just fucking with Cosmo. Uh, that makes some version of sense. Be- because that, because we'll have a full-on, when Lexi and Cosmo go down into the basement looking for Lana, all of a sudden they do a full recreation of the shining scene of Jack getting a drink from Lloyd at, do, at the oh, Overlook Hotel. I do know we're not there yet because... Yeah, close. Um, he can. They go back to the interview for a little bit more. Yeah, that's when um, they get the. They realize after that interview that he didn't show up on any of the video. Yeah, and he didn't show up on any of the audio. And perfectly normal, not a weird problem at all. And the interviewer is not recognizing that these two issues may be related, and that everybody is kind of freaking out about it. It's all Scratch's fault. This is the last time I hired this fucking waste. Uh, but the, the rest of the interview establishes that 
Uh, he was the mastermind. Originally, it was going to be a plot to kidnap the president in March of 65. That fell through. Him and Booth came up with the assassination plot separately. He set him up as a patsy because he knew he would get caught uh-huh. at the theater, even though he didn't get caught at the theater, right? He no, he gets at out of the theater. Nearby. He gets caught yeah. nearby. Yeah, it was Oswald who got caught at a theater. Yes. Yeah. But not he didn't kill Kennedy at a theater. So no. Yeah. But Kennedy drove a Lincoln. Yeah, right, 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 right. Right. Yeah. It's a very extended funny joke about, you know, Kennedy fucking Marilyn Monroe. That was on Joe Bob Briggs one time. Yeah. <laughs> like, it goes on for five minutes, but the payoff is amazing. Yeah. Anyway. Um so yeah, uh he admits full on that he's he is his grandfa- great-grandfather. There is a curse on him that he doesn't show up on audio or video. Um, Lex has, watches a video of herself from being filmed from the ceiling mm-hmm. and then from in front. And then... Right, that's when she and Cosmo go looking in the basement. Right, and Cosmo says that he has a knack for noticing people who stand out. Yeah. It's a uh, he sucks at his job. Yeah, I mean, if it's people who stand out, it's not really a knack. No, they stand out. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> um, vampire wise, uh, sunlight, eh, kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, stake through the heart hurts, but won't do it. Silver stings. Uh, but garlic. The, the best is he was like garlic. I'm growing garlic in my backyard. Right now, I love garlic. <laughs> uh, he, again, <laughs> this guy very is charming really vampire. Kyle Louder, really great. Like yeah. this is what we're talking about. Like there are no small parts, only small actors. Mm-hmm. He got it, and he made ran with the whole goddamn movie. He's so good. Yeah. So that's yeah. So now we're doing the shining type scene. It and, goes on uh, for like five minutes. This is this extended yeah. ref homage. Yeah, and Seth also, like uh, Jack, had been sober. Uh, Seth had been sober for 14 years. Seth is Cosmo. Seth is Cosmo. Yep. Uh, Again, I'm not letting him pick his own. No, no, no. no. It just, you know, if if we're having trouble keeping track Mm -hmm. of everything. So um, he he has poured a shot of... Apple juice. But (laughs) apple juice playing a role. Yeah. Of uh, actual Civil War era whiskey, bourbon whiskey, and then the the creepy doctor like Lex is yelling, "Who are you talking to? What's going on?" She yeah. can't see the vampire, but she can see the creepy doctor character sneaking in, and then Seth gets hammered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patrick's not. Patrick won't be here for the rest of this broadcast because he has been thrown out of my fourth floor story window. It wasn't my pun. Yeah, they did that. They did that. They did that. And um, I hate you so much. I'm, I, we're here to observe. Um, the they punk did, vampire they, they, shows up and eats Lex's face. Uh, yes, this the the hallucination thing did become a mark or knock against the movie because they didn't really consistently make it clear what's a hallucination and what's really happening. Yeah, from scene to scene, and it got annoying. I think they might have been filming a lot of scenes and piecing together which ones happened later. Yeah. Oh, obviously. 
Yeah, because th- th- that's the thing. So, like, every scene has something happening, but none of the scenes really build to a climax for the film. Right. Which is insane, considering how much mm-hmm. stuff is actually happening. Because now we have, uh, now we're just down to, uh, oh, wait, yeah, we, so, uh, Seth got, uh, Cosmo got hammered, Lexi got bit by the punk one, Scratch has another sexy time hallucination with Janet, and then gets eaten by... I, I want to say it was Vincent. It looked like Vincent to me. I think it was Miss O'Brien. I, it was some sort of vampire facey creaturey thing. Yeah, but quick lunch. Yeah, and while Scratch is being drained, he immediately turns into a, a desiccated corpse. Yes, like back and forth, and so yeah, that's him. Scratch has basically been lured into a shower. Yeah. By uh, hallucination, Janet. Hallucination, Janet. Uh, Janet, who through the film has an uh, has a hearing aid and Wait. has not been able to hear Vincent for the most part when he's doing the voices to everybody else's heads. And as a side note for the audience, Patrick just kept making fun of her hearing aid the whole time, like very inconsiderately. Oh, <laughs> Patrick honestly didn't notice that she had this gigantic hearing aid for half of the movie. Well, because they were setting up AV equipment and I thought she might have also been monitoring sound or it might have been a headset. Fair. Okay, that's fair. That's it was... Fair. I honestly mm-hmm. just thought it was production crew stuff, and then it was like, a scene where it wasn't that. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. She, okay. Oh, she, so he literally says, oh, she has a hearing aid. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick it's, was drunk throughout this entire process. I wish. <laughs> oh, oh, my God, I wish. Why did we do this one on a Sunday? Mm, anyway. So, yeah, so Scratch gets uh, killed in the shower, and then Janet... Goes off looking. Janet gets it from Mrs. O'Brien, doesn't she? Yeah, but yeah. Janet is Janet. Her her hearing aid somehow jumps out of her ear. Yeah. So Janet goes to the bottom of the stairs. Well, Janet leaves the shower after the after yeah. that attack. The hallucination. In a towel. Yeah. The hallucina- hallucination. Janet is in a towel. And stops at the top of the steps and looks down the steps, at which point we see the real Janet and realize, oh, that's the, the that's a hallucination Janet. That Janet goes up the stairs. Her hearing aid jumps out as she's chasing the other her. Yeah. She gets to the top of the stairs, realizes that her hearing aid has come out. Yeah. So I would say she should have noticed the hearing aid issue more quickly than I did. Yeah. In my defense. Yes. And then do we get... That, then, and then are we at Seth and Lexi at that point? I think or did so. Seth, either way. There's, uh, we, either there's, way we cover them, and now we're down to Nancy and Christina. Nancy and Christina are... Uh, Nancy, Nancy is waking Christina up, and Christina wants to get out, but realizes that all the doors are bricked up to yeah. the room they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're pretty sure it wasn't like that when they got there. They're pretty sure. Pretty sure. They were blonde women. <laughs> so they find the only place they can hide, uh, the room with all the coffins. They what hide in the coffins. What they use to get out? I don't know. Right? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So they go into a, a, what, the, the coffin display room. Mm-hmm. While they're in there, uh, Vincent is giving a tour uh, to a black couple who... We had been told that there were two police officers on the way to help with the investigation. Yes. Um, 
I did not realize that these were they. These were they. It wasn't revealed in the scene so much, although they were clearly trying to... They were scoping out the place. They were scoping out the place. They definitely seemed like something else was up besides just shopping for a coffin at a weird hour. They did say repeatedly how much they hated the man that they were burying. Yes. Um, and Vincent was just there being a, more t- uh, a funeral home director. Yeah, he was trying to sell them on their products and yeah. pricing and doing a fine job. Uh, they pick out a coffin. They walk up the hallway. Vincent disappears. The girls are trying to escape. Uh, are- well, Randolph, the doctor, they're the guy in the, the surgical scrubs, mm-hmm. uh, who is also hunchbacked and Igory and just really scary. He takes away one of the coffins with uh, Nancy, the younger sister. Right. And, uh, God, he takes... Okay, he takes the coffin down, and then does she like kind of like run off, and then ends up in the abattoir? Sort of. Uh, she she makes her escape from the coffin when the cops reveal themselves right, to be cops. Right, right, right. They're trying to call for more backup, or they're investigating. They do something that says, "Hey, we're cops." Yeah. And then the doctor just um, he leather faces the both of them. Yeah. Like the, you see this, uh, the shot is like going down, looking down a hallway while they're uh, the like the detectives are trying all the doors, and then like the shot, the first appearance of Leatherface, just Doctor uh, Randolph just pops out and hammers the uh, the the male detective right so basically outside of otis if you die in this movie you're either hit with a hammer or you're bit by a vampire otis is the only person who gets a different death i believe yeah 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 weird um but yeah so the cops are dead uh hammer time nancy's hiding in this in this room that is just parts it's just human parts are everywhere mm-hmm. with no rhyme or reason and then it turns out Lana the the girl from the beginning of the movie is still alive for some reason and she's crawling out of some storage area and begging for help and then the doctor shows up and then we hear off camera thwack thwack so oh she is still alive not that she needed to be for any real legitimate purpose except this quick distraction yep um not the most satisfying closure of that mystery but whatever mm. um i didn't know why we were continuing the mystery i am on it was like somehow it, less satisfying than in the uh the 2009 Friday the 13th where it turns out Sam Winchester's sister is still there yeah. for some reason it's like wow she's still alive great I guess yeah. it was important so that when Sam Winchester's love interest gets murdered you know he still has his sister to fall back on fair enough I'm sorry I know it's Jared Padalecki is in that movie but it's Sam and Dean and yeah. My Bloody Valentine and the 2009 Friday the 13th they're just you know supernatural but you know after Sam and Dean got lobotomies yeah and it's also it's maybe not, it's part we, of their time in hell it could be their time in hell exactly and yeah we call it Friday the 13th 2009 because it is clearly not a remake of any existing Friday the 13th it's just a new one yeah and that's it and for some reason, Jason got into weed farming. I mean, needs a hobby. Yeah. 
He has like those two brain cells to rub <sighs> together. I just remembered a movie called I think it's called just Arizona. Mm-hmm. It was an HBO movie with Danny McBride as a weed farmer, mm-hmm. and it is not nearly the comedy you would think. It, there are funny bits, but it's yeah. it's a it's just a good thriller. This is sort of like when you realize halfway through Pineapple Express that you know you. We're trying to make a comedy, but it's really just an action movie that's not particularly yeah. funny. Yeah. Even though that movie should be funny. The movie should have been funny. Uh, Your Highness should have been a lot funnier. Man, I put that, that on sucked. the visuals. God, that movie sucked. But like, I read the comics that they uh, they did a graphic novel, mm-hmm. and they wrote, you know, I mean, McBride and Green wrote that at Hill. And the comic was illustrated in the proper fantasy style, yeah. and it worked. Good. The movie was not shot in that 80s fantasy style, and I, that's, a, I think, a huge reason why it didn't work. Definitely didn't help. Yeah. Man, no, no, no. I saw that in the theater. That was I was saying. Ugh. I wanted to like it so much. Yeah. So, yeah, they're trying to escape. Luna gets killed, or Lana gets killed. Um, yeah. Uh, Nancy is making a break for it, and she... First, she manages to run over, escape through one door, get it slammed shut, and as she's hiding, the doctor just pulls it open because it didn't <laughs> lock it. Or yeah, it was funny. just a he just turns door. the knob and, and opens. It's like, yes, I saw you run in here. Like this is the worst game of hide and seek ever. She manages mm-hmm. to further elude him by forcing her way past uh, two folding tables that were propped up in the hallway. Unclear whether or not the surgeon guy can see. Like, every so often, he's just kind of... No, he's clearly going after people, but then there will be times when he's just flailing about and does not understand the world around him. Yeah. Okay, because those two folding tables successfully stopped him. This is my point. I I, I don't think he understood what was happening to him. Because of the, you know, yeah. the medical gurneys. Yeah. And she didn't open the tables or do anything crazy. They were just they leaning just, against, yeah. like, from the bottom corner of one wall to the upper corner of the other wall in a narrow hallway was enough for him to be like, I I cannot. Yeah. It's like when my cat sees laundry on the floor and thinks floor is lava. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She will, like, she'll want to jump off the bed and, like, I can't. There's a shirt there. I don't know. I might fall through it. It might be like... In the old cartoons, when you throw a jacket over a puddle and then somebody steps on the jacket and falls down 10 yeah. feet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're so close to the end. We've all, we're there. We're, we got this. Nancy ends up getting out of the house. She does. Yay. There, Congratulations. There, there was this really bad, like, five seconds where she's looking at a, a staircase going up and also the door leading outside of the house. And it really, I really wasn't sure which one she was going to pick. No. She picks the front door. She yeah. gets out. Right behind her is her sister, who she doesn't hear. The door slams shut. And there's Vincent. Vincent. And also the police. Yeah. But not in the movie. Just yeah. around here. See, we're no. safe. Yeah, we're safe. Um. Yeah, Vincent appears behind the sister, who then just kind of drops out a frame. Yeah. 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 She does the old elevator trick. Um... Yeah, because the the window the door has a window about halfway up, and so she just kind of she just kind of leaves the movie. Yeah, like riffraff drifting down and light over the frank light over at the Frankenstein's place. Sure, I don't know. 
I don't know. I, th- I, think, I think we got it. Yeah. <laughs> she gets out. She finds help. There's a car nearby that almost hits her, even though I don't know if it was moving. This is Nancy. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, yeah, they make it sound like... They, they, they talk about it as if she's, like, a mile away and mm-hmm. then almost gets hit by a car. But with the way the thing is edited, she leaves the house and then all of a sudden kind of bumps into a parked car. Yeah. And then the parked car turns out to be the limo driven by Rob Zombie. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, no, she's he's bringing her back to the funeral home. My cousin is a doctor. Dun, dun, duh. Amityville. And then it literally just cuts to the town sign for Amityville, which uh, is very proud of its farmer's market. Mm -hmm. So Amityville Farmer's Market better be one of the movies coming up. And it's not one of the ones from this director, so far as we know. So far as we know. And probably would have been a more accurate title, all things considered, for this one. Yeah. Amityville Farmer's Market. That's the last thing. Fresh produce. Yeah. Harm to table. Oh. Harm to table. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's uh, I like that. Yeah, but not vampires. Not Amityville vampires, which would have been the most accurate name of this at all, or actually half accurate, since it has nothing to do with Amityville. I mean, it takes place in Amityville. It is. But, yeah. yeah, they do actually show some Amityville, and there I, is I a movie called it. Amityville Vampire. Coming up at some point. Great. Yeah. And I know that that one, yeah, that one has Amityville Vampire in the name. Amityville Moon is the werewolf one coming up. There's yep. an Amityville Poltergeist. Yeah. Amityville Scarecrow. Amityville Scarecrow. Amityville Mrs. King. Amityville Th- Thesaurus. <laughs> Amityville Ramming Dictionary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. I thought that this was a lot of fun. I had fun with it. Like, like it is dumb. It is dumb as hell and ultimately pointless. But there's always something happening. Mm-hmm. And also, this Kyle Louder as Vincent. That's his, his first. I, it's Kyle, right? I don't know. But I do. Yeah. I just. It kept moving again. Yeah, Kyle Louder. That. Awesome. Yeah. He, I'm sorry. Oh no no. <laughs> Yeah, just it, it kept moving. It gave us. It never gave us a moment to say what's what's going on that we would care right now. Um, you know, the poster may have given us a hint if we bothered to look at it. You know what? Yeah, that is very clearly vampire themed. Yeah, the poster is a, va- a guy with vampire teeth and somebody holding a cross. Although he does very specifically say in the movie that crosses and holy water don't work on him because he was raised Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of fun to be had in this movie that was ultimately pointless and that I had to pay money for. But uh, I would say the resale value for me is pretty good. Yeah, I'll go I'll like, put it at a medium. Me, yeah, medium to high. Or high to high medium. Yeah, I'm know. gonna hold medium, but Yeah. I really liked the vampire. He was a lot he was just funny. Yeah, he was fun. I think for across the board for the most part, every like all the performers nobody phoned it in. No. And nobody, nobody was cloying, nobody was super annoying. It yeah. was you know although Christina's voice was kind of grim. She she sounded like Tom Waits in a bad way. I was thinking more like Kathy Cor- Moriarty, but like thirty years after the fa- after the raspiest you'd heard her, exhausted Courtney Cox. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that works. Or yeah. or just modern day Natasha Leon. There you go. Yeah. What happened to her voice? Cigarettes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Yep. <laughs> I thought there was more of a mystery there. Uh, honestly, if you, uh, if you, if you were involved in the New York film scene from like the eighties through the early two thousands, generally okay. I expect your voice to go a certain way. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. But yeah, Amityville Harvest, which is about a vampire in Amityville, <laughs> ish. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I was uh, the ish is not for the vampire or the Amityville it's for the about that's a good point the only thing it's about is 90 minutes fair enough yeah well until next time I'm Tom I bet get out if you want to interact with us online you can check us out on Instagram or Twitter at Amityville show or you can send us an email at podcastamityville at gmail.com